0: This is PodKit, episode 32 from Zero to Accelerating, on September 18th, 2017. And now, our sponsor this week is Entropy. This episode of PodKit is hosted by Brandon Johnson, Brian Mitchell, and Ryan Rampersad with show notes at thenexus.tv slash pk32. Hello.
1: Hi. So this is a, a little deja vu right here. A little bit. Truly, truly.
2: Now the question is: Is this deja vu from the future, the past, or the present?
0: Well, regardless, it's perfect for deja vu to be on Pocket Thirty Two. Electric. Booboo. Ooh! Wow,
2: that is. Oh. That perfect. Is almost like we scripted that before the show. I can't believe
0: it. Can you?
2: I can. <laughs>
1: Oh man So uh, Now that we have Started again So I My, my Hackintosh crashed And in the, the the Pre Preprint Wow Pre-Fringe Brandon was having issues With his internet so Yes there
0: are no drivers For Windows
1: uh, That is Or that Linux been well established.
2: Or OS X As it turns out <laughs> Nope
1: Yes When running on non-Apple hardware So this This episode of PodKit Has Has put a We've, we've put a lot of work into this, so it's going to be a great one. <laughs> Truly. Our our
0: sponsor this week <laughs> is uh Entropy. <laughs> Entropy. It's slowly tearing you and I and everyone else apart. It's unavoidable. Entropy.
2: Well, right, I think we that. should uh, begin <laughs> and we should talk about what happened last week, which is extremely important, which is... The Apple event that um, showed off the new iPhone 8.
1: Yeah. So just before we put our, our quick thoughts in, me and Ryan did cover this in the Nexus special, which you can find at thenexus.tv t- slash ns55. So this is where Apple released the Apple Watch Series 3, the iPhone 8, iPhone 8 Plus, iPhone 10, and the the great and the wonderful Apple TV 4K.
2: I, I like how um in our deja vu version we did not talk about the Apple TV at all. Um
1: But now now let's start with the Apple TV.
2: Okay, let's start with the Apple TV. It so has 4K is... and a circle around its home menu button.
1: Yes, a, w- a white circle on the on the remote. That's that is
2: how That is how you upgrade a product from version to version.
1: Release a 1.1 version of its remote. <laughs> but uh, the Apple TV got 4K HDR uh, a couple different HDR specs. I think there's a Dolby one, and then another standard. Um, I personally won't be buying one of these. I don't own a 4K display, so that will be a purchase I will have later. And their CPU is much faster. Um, did I think they demoed a game on there that will launch on the Apple TV? From that no one will play. Th- what was it? Was it from that game company? Yeah, I that think?
0: game company. They're legendary for doing those kind of. Uh, experimental games where you have very limited interaction with other players, but also it's massively online. Uh, if I recall correctly, that's kind of their claim to fame. Uh, yeah, it looked, they yeah, made really uh, Journey.
1: Journey. Was that the one with the the flower petal flying through the air?
2: Uh, that I was so. that was Flow.
1: Flow. Okay. Oh. I think that was their game, though, right?
2: Yeah. So okay. the new game is called Sky, which is really clever.
1: Okay. Yeah i I'd like to check it out sometime. So, that's the Apple TV. Um, there's also the iPhone 8, which is pretty similar to the iPhone 7, um, but it has a glass back, wireless charging, the new A11 Bionic uh, chip. Uh, what else does it have? A True Tone display. Uh, $50 more expensive, but comes at 64 gigabytes. And then there's the iPhone 10, of course, which has the long-rumored and leaked-rumored uh, uh, full-screen display and the Face ID camera system. Uh, yeah, an
0: interesting bit, if, uh, if you don't mind the pause there, about that Face ID uh, system, uh, that's, that's kind of the, uh, what's been commonly referred to as the notch at the top of the screen. Uh, and the interesting thing about it is that it's actually designed by the company that uh, built the original Kinect um yeah which apple Apple purchased yeah uh, a couple couple years ago five five six years ago uh so to see that miniaturized drastically miniaturized
1: yeah that's crazy miniaturization it's pretty
0: unreal now of course there's some there's some pretty uh substantial differences from it which i am not uh not fully acquainted with um Simply, simply that they've done something that is so precise in depth mapping that that it can be used for identification. Um, that's uh, and it's miniaturized to such a degree that's pretty awesome. So it's definitely going to be cool to see what that hardware, uh, what that hardware can do, and what will be made available to developers.
1: Yeah, and it's supposed to be much more reliable or accurate or less, f- or have fewer false positives than Touch ID. I think they said the failure rate was one in fifty thousand for Touch ID, and it's so- one in a million for. You, face ID.
2: you give up failure rate For accidental activation rate mm. So I think what we'll see When the, the iPhone X comes out And it's just sitting on your desk Is as people walk by your, your desk at work It'll be looking at everybody's face Hoping that it's you It's long lost friend And it won't be And then eventually it'll just lock itself out
0: <laughs> That has to be the saddest The saddest <laughs> description of such a thing That I've ever heard But it's kind of awesome <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: kind of yeah. awesome. I hope it doesn't search for faces when it's not being touched. Like you have to like raise it or tap the screen for it to start looking. I
2: I would, hope, I, I, but... I would uh I would I would assume they have some tech, because i think I've heard it described as raised to wake. But yeah. that isn't convincing necessarily to me.
0: Yeah, that's a little bit uh it's a little bit rough on the I uh on the Apple Watch event the raise to wake functionality i found at least um but i you know definitely i, I bet that they have some uh, other tech in a phone that can assist that a little bit more than my series zero apple watch
2: well and what's better about the phone is typically if the phone's on a desk and then you pick it up it'll you're you're doing a totally different like from zero to acceleration whereas the watch is almost always accelerating because you're always moving
0: that is yeah. absolutely true
1: And then finally, there's the Apple Watch Series 3 with cellular. Uh, I personally did pre-order one of these uh, last Friday at 2 a.m. And this adds uh, LTE radio and, what was it, 0.25 millimeters more thickness to the uh, whatever the, the heart rate monitor part on the bottom of the watch. Mm. So uh, two sheets of paper thicker, but we get LTE. Uh, it's also 1.7 times faster than the Apple Watch Series 2, which is also loads faster and has a second core when compared to the initial Apple Watch, which Brandon and I both have. So I'm very excited to get this much faster watch that has GPS, which I'm not used to, better waterproofing, which I'm not used to, and cellular, which no one is used to yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to be hopping on this train probably in the next couple of months. Uh, today is not that day, nor was uh, nor was uh, late last week, but uh, at some point. Uh, i'll definitely be uh hopping on that bandwagon if if only because um the series zero watch uh doesn't have gps built in and i've been feeling the pain of not having gps uh my watch for some time and to have and to have the first uh watch i have that has gps also have cellular in it is probably going to be something pretty uh pretty enticing for sure for sure
1: yeah and i would love to talk about it on second opinion
0: yes soon so soon uh, next up, I think uh, we've got some other kind of timely news. If that's uh, if that's cool, uh, yeah. the first of which being uh, recently came out that CCleaner, Cleaner, an app that's commonly used to uh, conduct some common malware removal and uh, uh, scheduled cleaning tasks for uh, for Windows machines in particular, uh, has been um, exploited in some regard uh, and basically now a bunch of folks have this uh, compromised installer and compromised executable running on their machine, uh, often uh, already scheduled. So this is kind of gross for a number of reasons, because Ccleaner used to be a thing that uh, I would recommend to people I know that were having trouble with Windows computers because yeah, it, it had such a reputation, right? It had such a reputation for being a reliable uh, tool for removing these kind of malicious software programs. Malicious software programs. Who am I? Gosh, that's like not the phrase, (laughs) but uh, you you get what I'm saying. Um, But uh, I think it. This is just one in a series of situations where we found uh, companies like that running into some uh, some financial difficulty. Um, I know that the company that first developed Sea Cleaner was purchased by Avast over time, and Avast has also uh, kind of seen some criticism for basically kind of devolving into an adware company over time um, i think
2: so I, I think kind of like all antivirus companies are sort of like that yeah like the ads they spew our ads for themselves right which makes it a little bit better but not much right um and i think ccleaner has been kind of going down this road for many years so as soon as they added the uh, smart cookie awareness tracking thing so like yeah it'll only delete some cookies somehow through some mm-hmm. whitelist that people probably can pay for to get on, mm-hmm. um, and then when they added the scheduled service, it um, was sort of a sign that this m- probably won't last. Mm-hmm. It's a um,
1: well, it, it was closed source too, right? So it's just exactly. a black box that everyone is installing with some pretty high level security permissions or system permissions. So, yeah, not yeah. good. Yeah.
2: So I think I think what'll end, end up happening because of this is there will be um so there are some alternatives on linux for example called uh Bleach bit for example mm-hmm. um and BleachBit bit does the same exact stuff it has a list of directories that can go goes to look for and deletes them if they're there um and i would imagine that there will be an open source version of ccleaner like functionality in the future
1: yeah yeah right i definitely on. could see that coming right on it's a, yeah it's a great hole for open source to fill
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, next up, uh, we discussed uh, talking about this uh, new uh, DRM, or Digital Restriction Management uh, spec that's under consideration uh, at the W3C recently. Uh, sounds like there's quite a bit of controversy surrounding it. Admittedly, I'm not the most well-versed in it. Um, but yeah, what's what's going on? What do you guys think about it?
2: Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. So it's weird that the EFF doesn't take the pragmatic approach in this, and that is well they didn't get what they wanted this time, but they probably should stay there so that they can at least tempt the w three c to do what they want next time yeah um, right. and and so I think Brian added this uh, story from uh, John Gruber um, uh, during fireball, which is um. He takes the view of he hates Derm, DRM, but he's a fan of practicality and that, well, you know, it sucks to have it in all the browsers, but I would prefer to have a browser that can play, you know, a video like from Netflix than one that doesn't.
1: Yeah. And I think I think it's better to have DRM implemented in the browser versus a plugin. So I think this is a better alternative to not being able to do a lot of this kind of stuff
0: right silver letter flash or something yeah
1: yeah or you know no one supporting the web and doing only native applications Mm -hmm. so it's a a tricky situation but i think i don't know we'll have to see it's kind of bittersweet i guess
2: On, on on one hand like i understand where john is coming from i don't know if i would say that like like drm in the browser shouldn't be a too big of a sticking point because we're already on on death's door for all of web tech because as soon as web art uh, not WebRTC as soon as uh, web takes over you won't be able to right click on something and see its source code anymore even if it is completely you know packed up in single character nonsense um it'll all be running in a secret binary and nobody will know what it does or how it works. So you know, on one hand this is it's bad from the, you know, purity standpoint, but on the other hand it's kind of a moot point at this point.
1: Yep. I think that all sums it up quite well.
0: Truly.
2: So do you remember leftpad
0: sure do i use it every day
2: <laughs> yeah i bet i you know i think a lot of people use left pad every day um, how el- yes. how
0: else would i get uh spaces on the left side of a string
2: um on none other than importing a six, fi- six line file through a package manager
1: use, Always. R- use right pad and some substring magic
2: <laughs> right <laughs> pad in reverse yes. <laughs> yes well um so funny story so last night i was um doing some work uh late at night and my last commit and and push was about 1102 and i looked check the build system and i got my hip chat message and build successful and um, i went to sleep so then this morning i uh went to work and i wanted to push one more tweak before i wanted to show it to my team um for stand-up and uh well i i got a build failure and I was Uh baffled because I didn't actually do anything I just changed the capitalization of some text well it turns out um, we have a Jenkins like build process where it clones the repo and installs npm packages and then builds well we had a mini mini left pad event today Um, so here's what happened so as you know I'm kind of the view guy around here Hmm and vue uses a particular plugin or, or a particular package that uh, they made called vue loader and vue loader um allows vue projects to have the uh, single component files so you put your html and your css and your script all in one file neatly packed together well they had been using a package called js beautify and js beautify was used for various reasons to uh, pretty print the um, render function. That's not important. What is important is JS Beautify last night pushed up version 1.7.0. Well, apparently, whoever pushed it up didn't do it quite right. They were trying to do some optimizations with what was packaged up and then pushed to NPM's repo, and they didn't stay awake after to make sure it all worked. They went to sleep and well basically for 9 hours pretty much every vue cli project didn't work and many other projects didn't work that relied on js beautify um so so this is a really interesting thing so what happens in this web kind of um i don't know paradigm is you know everybody relies on these packages and that um those packages rely on other packages and those packages rely on even more other packages, and you don't really know. Like, you wrote maybe a few thousand lines of your application, but there's five hundred thousand lines of code that you never saw, and you don't have a clue how it works, and it's just out there. So, you know, this uh, it was an easy fix. Um, you know, six hours after it happened, um, JS Beautify did in fact upgrade their package to not break anymore uh which was nice and they kind of put together a, a lessons learned document in their changelog which was nice of them um and for the Vue community um Evan Yu the creator of Vue actually acted very quick within uh about three hours of when this first started happening he made an emergency build um Vue loader that um would allow um, the code to be formatted by prettier instead of JS Beautify. So, you know, it worked out. But man, is this is this environment pretty fragile?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, That's a- pretty bonkers too. That it's something so like trivial to well but i i guess i don't i don't know totally the view function but if that like so, how, how view works but like i think that it so feels if you like... take
2: a look at the commit you can see exactly where um js beautifier was being used in this commit and then yeah. promptly removed um so basically the html template is transpiled into um like javascript sort yeah. of like jsx but without the x part for sure um yep and and so they were <laughs> And they were using JS Beautify to kind of pretty print that code um, for debugging reasons in development. Uh-huh. Well, it it's gone. So now what? Now how do we do it? What do we do? Yep. Prettier was, prettier was the answer.
0: Truly. Well, and uh, as as somebody who uses Prettier day to day, Prettier is always the answer. But yeah. uh, I I get I get what you're saying though. Um, I I can see why that'd be helpful. Um, and I could I could see absolutely see why relying on that felt kind of like a no brainer, um, but I I guess what I originally thought of that, about this is like for me prettier is not a production dependency right it's right. a it's a dev dependency it's yep. something that I use to work in my own environment and if there was something wrong with it I would note it um, and it wouldn't break my build.
2: I think I think my, the lesson that I learned was. So we're not in deployment phase yet of this yeah. application. It's still in development. So even though we have a Jenkins build, it's not being told to build for like build this for develop or build this for production, mm. strip all the console logs and do all that stuff. It's still being told do a build, but build for development because that's what we're doing right now.
0: For sure, for sure. And
2: I guess I guess the lesson that I learned is once you've once you've gotten to a certain point, you should probably Pin your dependencies somewhere, whether that be through yarn lock or through um,
0: package lock JSON, um,
2: package lock or shrink wrap, I guess, if you're crazy. Um, so, you know, any of those choices, because um, that would have prevented this.
1: Mm-hmm. I think um, I saw, I'm trying to find the comment, but there is a um, comment in one of the threads on GitHub that someone posted to um, the pull request hack. yeah I found it. Um, and I'll link this in the show notes. It was um, a little article, pretty short, about uh, if someone submits a pull request, add them as a maintainer or with, with right access to the repository. So they are inclined to do more work on a repository because they feel like they have now... They have the, the, the power to do it. And so you know they'll be more invested in it rather than just kind of committing into the void and hoping someone accepts a pull request Mm -hmm. um i think the one of the issues there was there was only one or two people who had push access to that repository right yep and for something this popular that seemed like a big problem um and at the same time um i think yeah you know more checks more people involved are going to help something like that um I saw there's an issue on JS Beautify for calling out for more contributors and create a channel beta channel for releases and review version numbering policies um, and install tests for packages. Yep. All all of these kind of things is a fallout from that. Um I think as a whole web community, I think default NPM does the caret, so any major version. And so that's generally okay, but in many cases Packages still have some minor, but still breaking changes on the minor versions. Uh And so I think in many cases, it makes sense to do the the tilde, but that depends on which dependency you're using. So it's kind of hard to automate. And so what's even
2: worse is that you might be responsible for the dependencies that you specifically include, but there's no reason to believe that those dependencies are responsible.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's just a chain of, of unstable ground. Yep. Um. I think. What else was I going to say? Um. Yeah. I, I. wonder if View Loader going to pretty, pretty fire. What is pretty, it? Prettier. 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 Yes. Thank you. Uh. I wonder if that's going to kind of start more people going to Prettier and coming from JS Beautify. So
2: I, it doesn't really matter that View totally. just happens to use Prettier. Like, you don't actually ever see this code in person unless you happen to be putting a breakpoint in a component that's rendered. Um, but my point
1: is, even even within the nine hours while this was down, since Vue Loader switched, that's a pretty large um, library that they switched. So many people probably didn't notice that it was down if they weren't working at the time. But right. for those who were paying attention, maybe saw this change. And so they switched to Prettier as well. It's so possible. I think Prettier um, maybe just had a boost of traffic today. But I think... Yeah, ultimately, I hope JS Beautify comes out on top and has more active involvement and some better policies and everyone can learn from this, but we'll see.
2: So it's funny that we're talking about Prettier because, um, you know, Brandon would know about this, but, but is it true that Prettier is made by Facebook?
0: Uh, prettier is made by people with affiliations to Facebook, IIRC. Uh, I don't so, believe it is owned directly by Facebook.
2: Well, that's good because if it was, it'd be really funny... If the uh, Facebook patent license got in to view through Prettier because of this,
0: that would be hilarious. But no. <laughs> uh, so by by the way, uh, Prettier is maintained in part by James Long, yep. uh, who does have commit access to a lot of React stuff in the React community organization. Yeah, that must be believe, why I was confused. I do not believe that he is employed by uh, Bookface. He is not. That's, he that's runs- true
2: and even better the prettier license is MIT like all licenses should be so let's continue on with this horribly amazing patent battle
0: yes so at this point uh if if you've followed uh, anything uh, related to the react ecosystem you've probably heard about the kind of kerfuffle of sorts around uh the license that ships with uh react and its uh sibling and and child products. uh that is often referred to as like a modified BSD license. Uh, so what this generally means is that um, there's a, a possibility that under certain conditions if you sue Facebook, Facebook can revoke your license to use react done 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 is that yeah right is that is that is that a solid summary for that? Perhaps a little bit uh, uh, a little bit alarmist but more or less on the nose?
2: Uh, from what I understand that is correct. Uh, yeah.
0: Now, of course, the, the the thing to note here is that the situations where uh, the, the situations where you might be exposed to something like this are the situations where you plan to sue Facebook, uh, and it's probably even narrower than that. But I'm not a lawyer, so I, let, let's take the pessimistic view and say, if I were to sue Facebook uh, for something totally unrelated, maybe in that case they could revoke my license to react. Maybe I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, um, but I'm not very likely to sue Facebook. Certainly not as an individual. Uh, nor is Facebook likely to do something that will provoke me to sue, um, because I'm not a very litigious individual. Um, but I could definitely see how certain entities of certain, uh, of, of, that are operating at a certain scale uh, could be absolutely concerned by this, and perhaps ought to be. Um, and uh, as a result, over the past couple of months, there's been quite a lot of thought on this. And generally, things have died down a little bit. What uh, with prominent figures like uh, Dan Abramov and others in the React community kind of speaking uh, to this issue and um, towards some of the rationale for for why that license is included and why some folks think it's reasonable, uh, that are kind of the conversation around this had kind of mellowed out over time uh, until yesterday, and that's because uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday was it yesterday? I'm not one hundred percent. Yeah, sure. recently. Yesterday-ish, yes. Yesterday, if you don't count the weekends. uh, The uh, company behind WordPress.com and the WordPress project called Automatic, uh, they uh, recently announced that they are essentially uh, slowly but surely going to cut ties with with React in the sense of um, rewriting... Uh, a project that they recently re-implemented entirely in React in something that is not React now. Uh, and it seems like uh, all all indications are that uh, WordPress as a whole and all of the uh, all of the kind of constituent projects that support uh, WordPress are kind of looking to avoid uh, using React as part uh, it directly related to this patent issue. Uh, and that's kind of that's kind of a lot. <laughs> That's kind of a, so, a pretty solid blow.
2: So what I'll do is I'll read the, the this uh, little quote here from Matt's website. Matt Mullenwig is the creator and founder of WordPress, mm-hmm. and Automatic, of course. So, core WordPress updates go out to over a quarter of all websites. Having them all inherit the patents clause isn't something I'm comfortable with. I think Facebook's clause is actually clearer than many other approaches companies could take, and Facebook has been one of the better open source contributors out there. But we have a lot of problems to tackle, and convincing the world that the Facebook patents clause is fine isn't ours to take on. It's their fight. So, I think that's one of some of the best um, shorthand reasoning for why WordPress is doing this. They control half of all websites. Um, And it's unlikely that Facebook is going to sue the um, bottom 99.999% of those websites. But what happens when, um, you know, some some engineer at Google is uh, just hanging out and he makes a, a, a blog with um, WordPress in it and it happens to have React code in it and for whatever reason that week there's a lawsuit with Facebook? I mean, who knows? Um although that even seems unlikely um but i get where, the, where where he's coming from here
0: absolutely absolutely and and you're right i think not only is that some of the best kind of uh the, the the shortest but like most uh effective distillation of why a company might uh take a step back uh from something like this uh it's also some of the best just like uh Maintainer software maintainer communication I've ever read. Something This yes. is a really great post, and I'd encourage you if you haven't read it already to uh, go give it a read. Um, so I,
2: I also put the link in here to um, the the Gutenberg uh, issue on on the WordPress GitHub, where um, basically it's it's a call for choosing the next JavaScript framework for Gutenberg, mm-hmm. um, and so you know some of the options Vue JS preact uh angular ember polymer marco inferno and or aurelia um so i guess my follow-up question is how do we feel about react being replaced by Vue? um in sort of the largest um single web framework thing out there
1: it would extremely legitimize Vue.js, i think so I so mean, if it hasn't been proved already, that's but...
2: that's one that's one one view, huh? Get it? <laughs> that, uh,
0: I um, would, I would definitely, I'd definitely be kind of on the same page with that. I know a lot of people who are really into Vue, and I know you're one of them, Ryan. Um, and I, I haven't worked on a project with it yet, but it seems, uh, it seems really mature and solid, uh, as, as certainly as much as any of the, uh, uh, any of the kind of new hip web frameworks can be. Um Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I um and you're gonna hear this here first. Um I'm slowly melting away from view a little bit. Like, oh, really? There. Interesting. Um and, and, and so like there's things about React that I've always loved and that I just can't have in view. Mm-hmm. Um we'll talk about that a different day, and so for the next uh five weeks or so you can think about why I'm slowly becoming less of a viewist and more of a not viewist. But I cannot it,
1: wait for Podcat 33. <laughs> but Suffice
2: it to say, I'm still completely a viewist. I'm just becoming less of an enthusiast. I'm still a user. Gotcha. Um, so I think, I think, um, my view on this is, is for many years, WordPress has brought the PHP community, uh, basically infinite grief from everybody else who, who has, um, ever coded anything. um, which is sort of unfortunate and so if Vue is to become the uh wordpress of javascript like no um uh, so p wordpress is to php as Vue is to javascript so like if that happens what's bad about that is everybody will say oh view is terrible because wordpress uses it mm. and i don't really want that to happen um my other problem sort of with this, and this is sort of an implementation level detail, and of course everybody knows a podcast is no time to be solutioning, but WordPress is sort of a static thing, so like it's not like a single page application, you kind of just put put JavaScript in and it just runs whenever the page loads. Mm-hmm. Um Vue.js really shines when it's um Pre-compiled in the Vue CLI templating system. Um, it, you can use it without that, but it's not nearly as powerful and as usable without it. And
1: so, WordPress would be using it for its alternative use case. I which think could so. Pull it back a little bit.
2: I think yeah. so. And I, I think, um, like, I don't know how that that stacks up differently against React, for example. Because I, as far as I know, nobody in their right mind uses React. Um, with the runtime version of the jxx transformer anymore i'm pretty sure that doesn't even exist now for sure so maybe it's the same maybe that was always part of the plan and they're going to figure out a way to pre-compile stuff and then put it into an npm package or something but i, d- I don't know um on the other hand maybe this maybe this makes view like like you guys kind of suggested way more popular and way more legitimized and if that's the case that's cool too but we just have to be very careful mm-hmm.
1: yep definitely i wonder if so i've never used react i've hardly even looked at it I, it's like I view by to a corner Shh. <laughs> view seems more similar to angular than it does to now that's probably because i've only used angular jazz but Vue seems quite similar to Angular in many ways. As yeah. a
0: React user, I would also probably say it reminds me most of Angular, but that's probably because I'm mostly coming from a React uh, perspective.
2: Well, yeah. so it's it's funny. Um, Again, this this is for another podcast, but um, part of my reason for being less of a viewist these days is because a lot of what I want to do involves what I could just achieve if I were using React.
0: mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Very uh, I interesting. Wonder if, or, <laughs> I wonder if I can just skip over using React. Like, and ever. go straight to
2: Vue? Um, yeah, I'm so,
1: thinking it's probably more likely. I don't know. It, it we'll is see. very
2: likely, and the uh, certainly the uh, job market will accept you with uh, very reactive, welcoming arms. Um, <laughs> but I would say that it is quite insightful to see what Vue does. Um, with its particular flavor of componentization, but also with templating. Um, so just do, do, do all of them equally, I guess. For sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: One other thing I'll add is that Glimmer remains cool. It's only gotten, (laughs) it's only gotten cooler since last time I checked. Um, and I haven't done anything super massive with it yet, but I vaguely updated my website, Brandon.mn with, uh, Glimmer components. Uh, and it makes me really excited for the future of Glimmer as well as Ember, and uh, I'm starting to kind of be more open to component runtimes that aren't React as a result, which is which is cool. So if if even if even if none of those things ever pan out, uh, it's definitely kind of uh, giving me more transferable uh, kind of models of web components, which is kind of cool.
2: I I think um. So Sean Larkin, the the WebKit guy, WebKit no Webpack guy. Oh no! Um, what's the difference? They're both web things. Truly. So the I've messed guy. up. I've messed up Web Web RTC Web uh, Assembly WebKit Webpack. What else can and I mess up with the word "web" in front of it?
1: I think in our failed up recording, you said WebKit instead of WebOS.
2: <laughs> All good. That nobody will know. So um, he's actually done some work with um, transpiling. View components, view single file components and React components uh, multi-file of course into effectively uh, little, little HTML web, actual web components. Nice. Um, so that's actually really super cool because that means there's a much higher level of interop between those things even though they're completely different internally.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree completely. And I think that's what's going to be that's probably going to be what uh makes it so that these frameworks are a little bit more transient than they currently seem which is good
2: yeah definitely all right another yeah did you hear about that microsoft
1: yeah it's a company right
2: again finally
1: woo
0: it wasn't for a while but now it is and i learned this because there was an article about them in a magazine you might have heard of called fast company and they only talk about companies in fast company
2: I guarantee that not a single listener of this episode of PodKit has ever seen physically the magazine Fast Company. Of course
1: not.
0: Wait, I sure haven't. Does it not have a magazine? Is it not a magazine? Am I losing it?
2: Oh it is. It, no, it, it, it is physically is a magazine. But nobody has ever seen Fast Company as a magazine. But
0: No. I swear I have yeah.
2: No, well, but you're not a listener, so it doesn't count.
0: Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's that it's that darn J school life messing with me. It is. Um, uh, uh, t- tr-
2: trust me, I I understand where you're coming from. I get it. I'm, yeah, I'm so, pretty sure. So, mm-hmm. this uh, this this article was was indeed printed in uh, the October issue of Fast Company, but um, it sort of summarizes the uh, chronicles of Satya Dadella, and um his kind of journey through microsoft to to now some
1: yeah something i've 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 seen just from twitter and hearing and seeing what microsoft has been doing the last few years it seems like the biggest change is a shift in in company culture which has in turn um i think opened up the company a lot more and that's kind of related you know internal po- political culture as well as i i guess kind of I guess that that's the same thing. <laughs> so they they've released and been open about more things and with that a change in company culture. And I think that's all for the best. Um this article talks about their the market cap has increased by 250 billion dollars. And so they're they're doing quite well um despite all these changes and I think that's for the best. We um us as a community have gotten a lot of things out of it. Um some of the the big changes that they've they've done is releasing Office for iPad, which was, I think, done in the same day that Mandela was made CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, they bought, or I guess they under Steve Ballmer they bought Nokia, but they kind of canceled that. Got rid of Windows Phone. They bought LinkedIn for twenty six billion dollars. They joined the Linux consortium. They've really been pushing Azure, uh, Microsoft SQL Server. Yeah. Push, oh. github usage uh microsoft sql
0: server is really neat because it's available for
1: linux oh yeah oh, yeah. yeah. V- net core Woo-hoo. you bet and they've got uh linux subsystem on windows they've been releasing uh visual studio code on mac and linux and yeah. windows and and, windows. Uh, yeah. and visual oh, studio wait a full wait What
2: about that crazy thing um what is it called the the linux subsystem for windows yeah, uh, no, like, it's
0: the it's the Windows subsystem for Linux because Windows always has to come first in Microsoft <laughs> product names, even though technically it's not a it's not a Windows subsystem that's run on a Linux machine or on a, on, in, a in a Linux operating system. It's a Windows subsystem in that it is a uh, a literal subsystem of, of, of the Windows operating yeah. system that runs Linux, which is like the most ridiculous naming convention in the universe. But
1: didn't they really make a Linux subsystem for Windows? Yeah, that's... when porting over a SQL Server. <laughs>
2: Oh no. (laughs) I got I got to tell you, I think,
1: I think they did just the opposite thing going to Linux. When,
2: when, when you have to explain the joke, it gets way more funny. Um, (laughs) so, uh, so, so clearly Microsoft in the last few years has completely turned around part of its image, right? So, you know, they, they do a lot more stuff cross platform. They, they understood that they were just way too late to the phone race and they gave that up, I guess, Mm -hmm. maybe I hope. Um, they, they embrace the Linux and they, you know, actually participate in the open source community. I think they're one of the top contributors of code on GitHub now.
1: Yeah. Business-wise, of think, course. I think, and their Edge browser is really mo- a modern browser these days. Yeah,
2: let's not get too far. So <sighs> I, I would, um, I, I I still sort of take Microsoft with a kind of maybe like a, like a small bag of salt, maybe. Um, okay. So, so Microsoft did all this stuff, but but for example, what does an average person think of Microsoft now?
0: Uh, I'd probably say same as it ever was. Probably still more or less related to like the Vista years. Bill Gates. Yeah. Uh, Word two thousand two or whatever. You're still kind of crashing on them. Clippy. Yep. Uh, all, all that stuff also I think I think uh, among the normal quote-unquote normal people as in like non developer folks who um, who use LinkedIn I think people who who associate Microsoft with LinkedIn also kind of associate it with a weird kind of nagging what if we incorporated LinkedIn with office 365 <laughs> kind of thing yeah yeah
1: yeah that's true. so
2: so I think I think that the, the that description for normal people fits pretty accurately and I think that's probably one of the bigger shames that still hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many years ago there was this uh, designer who made a ton of really good-looking, like branding for Microsoft, kind of just as a fun project for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was hired by Microsoft. Nobody ever heard from him ever again. And that, and and I think um, Microsoft has this ish- image problem. Um, But not the kind of windows like images on a desk or anything. No, like image of their brand. Like Mm -hmm. nobody knows what to associate them with other than Bill Gates. That's it. That's all there is. And um, like they have the surface line, which airs commercials all over the place. I think they have commercials for office 365 or something like that. Sometimes presumably um, they do.
0: If nothing else, they have an extensive marketing association surround, uh, uh, extensive marketing organization surrounding it. That's for sure.
2: For sure. Um, maybe they do most of their advertising, um, at lunch and learns at large corporations. Like, Hey, I'll give you the salad. If you, uh, buy my office 365 gold edition. Jeez. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I wish they would focus more on the consumer side and build their image for people to associate to something good and new and something that they want. Um, and they, you know, so I guess you could say that they sort of did that with Xbox, but I don't, I don't even think that's good enough to be honest. Mm-hmm. Cause now, nobody thinks like, Oh, I have an Xbox. That's Microsoft. They just think it's an Xbox.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd agree with you. I, I think a lot of people don't really make those connections even, uh, among other companies, I think one of the few companies that has succeeded in doing that is uh, in, in in linking the company's identity with each of their products is Apple. I think there are other other companies that do that too. I think Amazon does a really good job of that with Alexa, and I think Google has finally turned that that boat around uh, with Android devices in a lot of ways. Like uh, I like as a as somebody who's who's trained in um, in marketing and strategy and. Um, and communication strategy but more broadly like one of the biggest surprising things to see was how google marketed the most recent slate of nexus phones as the the phone by google right right which is like yeah that's killing that's what they I, some would argue that's what they should be doing they should have been doing all along
2: on the other hand what did that get them
0: that's fair that's fair <laughs> um <laughs> But I, th- yeah, I, I think it's I think it's I think it's turning that ship around, which I guess is is, is uh, better than better than nothing.
2: Yeah. So I, I um I will mention too that, um you know there's some really cool people that work at Microsoft these days, um, and so like um you know one of the people that we actually sort of loosely knew, uh, Maggie Pint, who uh, did some stuff with Moment, but who also attended JavaScript Minnesota, yeah. at least once. Um, she now also works at Microsoft, and I think it's super cool when, you know, normal people, you know, relatively speaking, um, in in sort of the JavaScript and programming community that that is accessible to us at least gets into Microsoft. Because um, I still see Microsoft as this, you know, big top tier, first first, you know, highest order kind of company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. In, in addition to Maggie, who's an amazing amazing hire for sure um microsoft has made a bunch of uh recent hires in uh the developer relations space which is a big thing for me like one like i have massive amounts of respect for folks in the DevRel community um uh jesse frizzell um who is like the person to uh to kind of like study from if you're interested in containers or any sort of container related software or the the um systems that underlie how containers work um she recently uh took a job at microsoft as a developer uh a, a developer advocate i believe is the phrase they use um Paige bailey another um another like gigantic force in um the uh kind of uh, uh in multiple communities but in particularly is working uh in azure right now um also recently took a job uh at Microsoft in Devrel, basically, um, basically they've really beefed up that particular team. Uh, but that that same sort of kind of uh, that same sort of uh, perspective seems to have been taking place uh, all across the organization, which is really kind of great to see. I, I'm still with you, Ryan. I think I think that um, Microsoft is definitely a kind of uh, a company of the of the highest order for a lot of these things, and that these these teams have expanded uh, to kind of uh, hire these people who are like known awesome folks, and that these known awesome folks are even interested in taking a job at a place like Microsoft, is yep. uh, uh, speaks volumes.
2: Yep.
1: So. Is it time for our favorite section?
2: It sure is.
1: Sure
0: is. Yep.
1: Let's do Let's
0: talk about them. <laughs> uh, so this week, I actually have a couple of really cool ones. Uh, the first one is something called Minfosec, M N F O S E C. Uh, it started by a really awesome person uh, who uh, is uh, actually interested in creating a meetup group out of this. And they, uh, are focusing on talking about, uh, inf- the information security community in Minnesota and encouraging, uh, folks who are new to the field to check it out and learn about what, uh, what the industry entails, and what opportunities there might be. Um, we got a preview of this, uh, of, of what such a, uh, such a meetup might look like at, uh, the Minneapolis junior devs meetup last week. And it was really awesome and really well attended. Uh, and it was just a really awesome talk, um, but both the speakers ian and kat uh, are amazing folks um and i i know that uh this event uh when things get dialed in uh it's it's going to be it's going to be really cool so uh definitely something to keep an eye on right now there's not a ton uh there's not a ton going on in it right now but as things kind of spin up uh, that'll be a great thing to watch next up is zach leverman on Twitter, uh, Zach has been doing some killer stuff with augmented reality recently uh related to um zach's also related to open frameworks which is a really great c++ toolkit for um doing any sort of visualization um which is like super cool and something that i want to dig into a little bit more i can't believe i'm saying this but i want to dig into c++ um but what? i i know i know but uh his work is just awesome so you can see why that might be the case uh, last but not least at 3.1 on Twitter uh, who is a uh, maintainer of a number of kind of uh, important uh, kind of uh, products related to the react ecosystem among other things um, so Sunil Pai is his um, is his name here and uh, he works on glamour uh, as the is the maintainer of glamour uh, also glam which I believe, is kind of predates glamour. Um, uh, that basically lots and lots of cool stuff related to CSS and JavaScript and Markdown and JavaScript. Um, so definitely a cool person to follow.
1: Yeah. How about you, Brian? Well, I followed, including my, my last person I followed while recording this episode. But... Um, uh, <laughs> The first person is Tobias Coppers, who goes by at WSakra. I think uh, they are a maintainer of Webpack. I've seen some retweets from Sean Larkin, so of course I gave it a follow. Yay. Next up is Michael Jurowitz, who's at Jury on Twitter, and he's a developer at Apple. Um, Apparently I have 48 followers who I follow who also follow Michael, so it's a long time coming. Um, Some i don't know good tweets apple things other stuff follow for me and last but not least is henry zoo who is at left underscore pad yes who's one of the maintainers of babble uh behance and or i think he yes yeah. he's involved with behance and adobe as well uh i just followed him about three minutes ago he looks pretty cool <laughs> did he Pro- <laughs> change
2: his name for left pad reasons Probably,
1: I mean, it hasn't changed it back. So,
2: Let me, well, I think you can only change your name one time, right?
1: Uh, I think you can do it. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I've only changed mine once, so yeah. Yeah. So he's uh good to follow. Uh, I most notably see a tweet about deprecating Babel preset es twenty fifteen. Uh, because that is being deprecated, and I support that, so I just retweeted it. Fun fact,
2: My Ryan. Ideas. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I followed some people. Now this this is going way back to uh, open. Uh, no, wait, not open source. Uh, Midwest JS. Um, so these are some of the, the these first two are speakers from that. So we have here uh, Mark Volkman, and he um, was actually the uh, keynote speaker on the opening day, and um, he works at um, what does he work at Object Computing, which is a kind of a Teaching slash consulting company. They kind of they they're kind of an interesting consulting company, I'd say. Um, but he he works there, but he also does a lot of kind of like uh you know outreach kind of stuff, integration with the community, um, which is really cool. And he's been working in the industry for a super long time, so that was cool. Uh, nice. Next up here is Dan Callahan, and he actually works as a developer advocate at Mozilla and uh he was showing us um we which web is it it's web assembly yes WebAssembly. <laughs> um and of course his headlining tweet today is today's w3 decision is a victory for drm vendors on the web who are they google adobe and apple um each of course have their own flavor of drm and then i of course followed uh tom dale um who has a really cool website um and, uh, there was a, there was some TypeScript stuff that I was reading from him recently. And there was some other posts, um, kind of like, uh, compilers are the new frameworks and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's he, he, he posts some really cool stuff and, uh, seems pretty interesting.
0: Nice. Absolutely. Good folks. The lot.
2: Good yep. Folks, yeah, totally. The lot. So, uh, what's up for the next month? <laughs> That is a very uh, I'll be good writing question. some Angular JS. That's good,
1: <laughs> as always, here.
0: I'm gonna try to dive back into ARKit. That is something that mm-hmm. I kind of had to had to take, uh, you know, kind of ease up on the uh, on the gas pedal there for a little while, uh, while some other stuff came up. But I'm gonna try to dive back into that, uh, and uh, I don't know, uh, doing some fun little uh, UDP hacking. Uh, that hopefully I'll have something a little bit more co- cohesive to uh, share with next time around. How about you, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to be uh, doing some Vue stuff. But um, I've also been trying to get into Gatsby. Uh, Gatsby's cool, but like all products that uh, were released as a 1.0 fairly recently, it still has some uh, documentation holes, let's just say. Ooh, yes. But But even worse, the plugins have documentation holes, which means nothing works the right. way you'd expect them to. The
0: uh, documentation um, holes in Gatsby.js have documentation holes, which is kind of paradoxical.
2: Uh, it, and, and so it turns out subtracting from a negative number in documentation doesn't actually make it positive. So, yeah.
0: No, it, it actually makes it exponentially more negative, I
2: believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much true.
0: Well, where can we find you on the internet, Ryan?
2: Well, you can find me just about everywhere, but especially on Twitter at RyanMar, and of course on my website, ryanrappersed.com, which might be one day in Gatsby, powered by React, that what? thing that I might maybe like slightly a little bit more than view sometimes, occasionally, rarely.
0: What? That's awesome.
1: Nice. Look forward to it.
2: Yep. How about uh, you, Brian? Yeah.
1: You can find me on the internet at Brian Mitchell on Twitter or my website Brian M.me, which should have links to any other place you could ever want to contact me. What about you, Brandon?
0: Uh, you can find me on the internet at various places, fewer than previously. Uh, but mostly at twitter.com slash Brandon underscore M N. That's B R A N D O N underscore M as in Minnesota and as in the N in Minnesota. Not that that's, uh, <laughs> not that that's uh, super easy to find. But uh, nonetheless, that's where I post about most things, um, mostly related to uh, weird stuff like ARKit and UDP hacking I've been doing, and occasionally uh, weird puns that come to me as I'm uh, leaving the building, which uh, such as today, where I wrote, uh, and I quote, assuming I can find my Twitter, Brandon underscore NM, uh, Who called it going to play foosball and not a foos errand? Uh, Yes, if you want more witticisms like that, which I can't imagine why you wouldn't, you can follow me there. Uh, I think that just about does it for me.
1: All right, well, this has been a good episode. You can find the show notes at thenexus.tv slash pk32. And... Until next month, have a good one.
0: Have a good one. Yes, we'll see you then. Take care.
2: Bye.
0: Adios.